0: So I was always very inquisitive as a child, as a teenager, even asking simple questions. And I realized really quickly, people that were not pastors or priests or whatever, they would direct me to those people. I remember having a conversation around 13, talking to a pastor and up to this point from all my family being like, oh, this is the guy. This guy will have the answers. And I get to him and I'm four questions deep. And he's like, you just got to have faith. And I'm like, but what is that?
1: There are over 4,000 recognized religions in the world. Which one are you leading? Why are you deconverting? Welcome to the Deconversion Podcast, where we explore the experiences and challenges of deconverting from religious faith. We are here to discuss and explore this topic and help you on your journey to living an authentic life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part one of of our four-way conversation with myself, Isaac, my nephew, Ryan, and our close friend, Anthony. This is a conversation that took place prior to the start of the podcast where we just sat down and we were discussing multiple things revolving around Ryan's deconversion and the experience that he and I went through. And it's just a really great kind of a brainstorming interaction between all of us where we pioneered some of these ideas and what kind of led to the podcast. So I hope you guys all enjoy this first part of it. It is pretty long, so this is part one, and we'll have part two for you coming next week. So you guys enjoy.
2: Welcome to the Deconversion Podcast. I have with me three very close friends. And uh, first of all, guys, thank you for your patience. No as problem. We- Set up and got everything going.
1: It's the inaugural podcast, so I'm not surprised it took a hot minute.
2: (laughs) So I'm excited about this podcast. We have a very unique and special situation tonight in that we have four people from four different perspectives of Christianity, being a part of church, being a part of a faith, being a part of an organized religion, and not being a part of an organized religion whatsoever. The other thing that is really fun about tonight is that each one of us have overlapped in the timeline. Anthony and Tim were friends, they worked together when Tim was somewhat of a passionate Christian. Ryan, here recently, has decided, hey, this isn't really for me, but he was a part of Tim, his uncle's journey. So he was there. Tim and I were friends while we were going through that, and I always took a a backseat role. So it's really fun that we were in different places at different times, but still involved in each other's lives. And pretty yeah. much sit at this table with the same belief system.
1: Yeah, and we're. And I think it's a good place to start with something like that because the whole point of the podcast is for people that have gone through this process and to see it from different perspectives, different point of views, and uh, everybody's experience is going to be a little bit different. So we have a real variety at the table here of experiences revolving around deconversion and non-belief, and. The goal of the podcast, since this is technically our inaugural one, and we do have an archive of stuff, and we're going to be making new podcasts. But this is mainly to help and assist people. I've been really been inspired by my relationship with Ryan here to help people there are going through this process and by getting other people's point of view.
2: And one of the great things about the Deconversion podcast and our guide is that we're not here to destroy other religions intellectually. There's enough on the internet for sure. that. What this is, the human factor. Hey, you've gone through some fucked up shit. There's a lot of people who have experienced a lot of hardship or are currently experiencing hardship uh, associated with religion, and we want to be a positive outlet for people we're definitely not a cancel culture group i'm gonna tell you that oh no opinion. let's get that like out of the way <laughs> <Absolutely not. religious. laughs> if you get overly sensitive we apologize we're sincere people but yeah fuck if you get offended this is not the place for you <laughs> but if you are struggling with leaving religion if you are considering leaving religion if you're trying to help someone who's leaving religion if you're considering leaving religion and you were just like a positive place of encouragement, maybe some intellectual thought processes, then we're we're very much the place for you. And we're very excited that you're listening. Absolutely. So let's, I think it would be beneficial for us to start on somewhat of a timeline and then fill in the story. And so I'd like to start with Anthony because Anthony worked with Tim while Tim was still a Christian. Ryan at that time was still a Christian. I was drunk somewhere. So... (laughs) So let's start there. So Anthony, tell us a little bit about yourself, your relationship with religion, and then Walk us into your friendship with Tim.
0: Okay. So I grew up in a small town, Kerrville, Texas. I was raised by my grandparents who, near as I can tell, were just religious adjacent. And they were really relaxed about all of it and just said, figure it out for yourself. You can go if you want to. And when I was real young, I went to the typical Sunday school for little kids where it's just, oh, here's Noah's Ark, color it. <laughs> you right. know, this is <laughs> like seven and eight year old stuff. And, and it was Baptist. I remember that much. I never got officially baptized or anything like that. And I remember one time coming from the, the coloring class, because that's about all I remember from it, into seeing the adults all sitting in the pews watching the pastor. And I'm just like, he sounds really angry. And I just remember feeling really uncomfortable even watching what whatever was going on. And what, and what age was that? maybe 10, not even that, eight, nine, something like that, really young. So largely my childhood was just being like religious adjacent. And for me, the biggest, I guess, spiritual question I ever had was, uh, I was really connected to animals and things like that. Monkeys and chimpanzees and apes, gorillas, that kind of stuff when I was young. And even having like a pet dog and a lot of the groups I was around were just They questioned the concept of souls. Only humans have souls. Animals are just mindless beasts and things like that. I was just like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Just looking at them, you can tell there's more going on behind the scenes than just that these are just mindless creatures.
2: Especially when you look at gorillas and chimpanzees and you see how they work with their young or... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like you said, you can definitely tell with animals at a young age, you're like, hey... I'm not completely bought into the whole concept, we're the the only creatures with soul. Was there anything else that kind of built upon?
0: Yeah, so I was always very inquisitive as a child, as a teenager even, asking simple questions. And I realized really quickly, people that were not pastors or priests or whatever, they would direct me to those people. I remember having a conversation around 13, talking to a pastor, and up to this point from all my family being like, Oh, this is the guy. This guy will have the answers. And I get to him, and I'm four questions deep. And he's like, you just got to have faith. Right. And I'm like, but what is that? What is faith?
2: When like, you talk to him, did you have anticipation or hope that he would have answers for you? I was
0: pretty dubious at that point already because it seemed like nobody knew what the hell. Even gotcha. the basic questions. Like, questions. like what is a soul and how does it work? And how are you so certain that only we have souls? Like what makes you think animals don't and stuff, just really surface level stuff about the idea of a soul in general. And that just, I was already doubting a lot of the ideas behind the scenes that I just was
2: like, it just doesn't sound right to me. And that's, what's fascinating to me about this process. And Tim knows this Mm -hmm. every time we talk to someone new, it's an interesting, different perspective. Absolutely, the rope started untethering for you with the concept around the soul. Yeah, different people for different reasons, and I just find that fascinating because you're the first one that we've heard that that we, young too. Yeah, yeah, that young, and really got it from the soul perspective. So you talked to this guy, this pastor. He did not give a sufficient answers. Where did your journey go from there?
0: Yeah, from that point, I largely just realized that it didn't have answers, and I just dabbled on my own. I looked at everything from like witchcraft books to astrology and they and Buddhism, and it all sounded like interesting concepts, but I just didn't see really anything of substance in, in any of them.
2: Um, and this is like mid-teenage? Teen- yeah, this 13. is through, throughout my
0: teenage years. Nice.
2: you were a pretty deep teenager.
0: Yeah, I was really interested in this kind of stuff. And these were deep questions that it seemed like everybody had and that just nobody had the answers. So it's like, I'm going to find the answer. Right. That was.
2: And you said you were raised with, by your grandparents? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were their answers to these type of
0: questions? Um, I didn't challenge them too deeply on a lot of this stuff. They were very just like hands off in the sense of beliefs and things. They just find your own way. Sure. For a lot of it.
2: Which isn't a bad strategy. I can segue
0: that into telling my grandmother a few years ago that I was a Satanist. So. Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's stay let's true to
1: the timeline. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but, uh, just for fun, for fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: an interesting contrast compared to what Ryan and I went through because submerged, we had the answer. We didn't need to go talk to anybody because we had already been spoon-fed the answer to all of this as we had grown up, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't even a question. And the fact that you got there and you were like, I don't like these answers, I'm going to go do something. There was no choice like that for you or I.
3: For me, I don't know, my mind is pretty weird because those exact same thoughts that Anthony had were at the back of my mind the whole time, yeah. and I just never spoke up about it. The reason I did is because I got
0: chastised by, like, my father. I remember being oh, yeah. young and being like, why do you ask so many questions? Like, why don't you just shut up? That's basically what his response was. And I'm just like, I just want to know things. Like, what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm.
2: It's curiosity. and That's yeah. how you learn. You, Absolutely. You, you understand one is a number, and then one plus one is two. And then two plus two. That's how we learn. Anybody yeah. learns
0: yeah. that way. But so. I guess I just, I really quickly realized that the questions I was asking were challenging to right. their preconceptions.
2: And adults. Yeah. Did you, did you have a visceral reaction from them? Did you have a very passive reaction?
0: Yeah, it was met with hostility, I would say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it was apparent that it made it un- people uncomfortable, the questions I was asking. And that was fascinating to me. That made me want to ask more questions. I liked the hard questions because I liked seeing people's reactions.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you were pretty solidified in your beliefs, dug into it more, fascinated by it, somewhat became a student of it. Would you say that your belief systems and your studying stayed fairly consistent up to the point where you started working with Tim?
0: I would always say I'm searching... For a reason to think differently than the way I do, I wouldn't say I'm I'm solidified or hard in my beliefs, but I, I can't deny the fact that when I sit there and go, okay, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? And I see, no, that's not right. Of course, that solidifies my conceptions of, okay, I, I've got, I I must be at least in the right ballpark of this must be right the right way of thinking i guess
2: well and you're challenging your beliefs which is a skill set that is very mm-hmm. beneficial that m- many people should try to practice if they can so you go through this practice of evaluating your beliefs trying to look for different answers and you're right along there and then you start working at office max with tim
0: so, so
2: let's talk about yeah the interaction
0: yeah. so this is one of my favorite stories because tim is Pretty much my best friend, <laughs> and I would have never guessed that starting out when I first met him. And the story basically goes: I was, gosh, what were we like, t- early twenties? We're old men now. 20s, I was twenty-two or twenty-three 20s. when I started Are in all there. Close to the same age.
2: A little. I'm a little bit older than him. I'm 38 now, mm-hmm. so you're.
1: I'm 36. Yeah, yeah. so about two years, years I'm,
2: difference. I'm 33, about to be 34. Yeah, like in a couple of weeks. Right? I just turned 24 as of <laughs> the <17, laughs> 17th. So, so we right. got a good spectrum.
0: We, yeah, we got a nice age 38, yeah, 30. and he's my boss at the time, or he's my the assistant manager of.
1: Yeah, I was like the. Th- I think I was like third in line at that store at that time when oh, I went in there.
0: All right, and so I'm just on my lunch break eating, I don't know, probably some, like a sandwich or something stupid I made at home because I wasn't, God didn't give a crap, but I'm just sitting there eating. He comes back and he's getting his lunch together and I'm just sitting there spacing out, like going, gosh, I'm tired. I want to get home and probably play my video games or whatever is on my mind. I was so stupid in my twenties, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) so I'm just sitting there doing my thing and he just starts talking. And I, I, I can't remember, I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but it was something to the effect that a young Earth creationist would say. Something about evolution or that that we're not apes or something. The world's I, I, only I 6,000 years old. I bet it was. I was about, young Earth creationist. Y- I bet it was about young yeah. Earth that like the planet's only been around for like 6,000 years. <laughs> All this evolution stuff's bullshit. <laughs> Whatever he said, I just remember <laughs> my eyebrows going up and going... Really, that's interesting, and I was like, "This guy's fucking nuts." I ain't saying a word to him. <laughs> you just randomly brought that up. Yeah, he t- he totally oh did. I wasn't God. talking to him. I was just doing my thing. Well, Tim
2: Tim was raised to evangelize. Yeah. and that's, that's what he did. A yeah, evangelist. True. Yeah. true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah,
0: yeah. He started evangelizing to me. And I just remember the whole time I'm just like, that is so
2: fascinating. <laughs> did, you, did you say anything? Like, did you? Come I on didn't out?
0: challenge him. So this is not in, in my early 20s. I really just was okay. I've figured out my path, and I'm doing my thing. I hadn't really dove too deep into the challenging ideas aspect of this stuff yet. Sure. And I just remember just hearing his thoughts on this. And I would I probably asked him more. Why do you think that? And stuff like that. Yeah, just, just discovery
2: questions.
0: Discovery. And- questions. That's mm-hmm. a great. Yeah.
1: I think it's interesting that your technique at the time of handling that with me is a technique that I'm talking about. I was like writing about it the other day Mm -hmm. of that. It's so much better to be passive and listen Mm -hmm. and just be that way. And you are doing that with me. And that's like the position I've moved to these days and how I approach people. I tend to listen first before I start doing a lot of responses. And whereas the inverse of me was I just would walk into a room and start spitting this out all over the place. (laughs) It's It's not not very effective. And
2: and (laughs) did you – was it strategic on your part to just ask questions and listen or – were you just was that just um, actual you know so like, you
0: even know. going through like the Baptist Church and stuff when I was a kid, I don't remember them being so hardline against like evolution and how old the earth is. They're probably they're old, right? Like they're similar to the Catholic Church. They're probably one of the earlier churches that came over.
2: What was the big Young Earth guy? Was it like Kent Hovind or something? Yeah. What was his name? He's one of the bigger ones. Kent yeah. Ken Hovind. Kent Ham. He has Noah's Ark thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is he the one? Is he the one who got a, who did jail time for?
1: No, you're thinking of that's Kent Hovind, that's recent. Yeah, that's yeah. Hovind. Yeah,
2: Kent Hovind's the guy that I was that was preached on Arthur. Yeah, yeah. At the assemblies for God.
0: Oof, that's not even I'm a so good sorry. That's not yeah. even a good
2: role model to have <laughs> given to you. He was having a good time and nobody but,
0: knew about it. No yeah, kidding. I, I, I would honestly say at that age I was more my response to Tim then was more was more a aversion. Honestly. Sure. It was like whoa. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: Do you guys by any chance remember the first conversation where there was friction or oh, maybe the timeline? I
0: perfect example. So this is we, we had disconnected because I had quit Yeah. That's a story for another yeah, time. That, that's a story That's a fact. I had quit working due to differences, we'll just say that. Yeah.
1: We re engaged
0: at the beginnings of your deconversion, yeah, I would say.
1: Absolutely. We'd start playing D and D.
0: Yeah, we had started playing D and D. And I remember you were trying to be, you were interested in FBI becoming like a. Yeah, I was uh,
1: still in school studying.
0: Like you were looking at crime scene investigations. In yeah,
1: I was in my my criminal investigations uh-huh. class, and it was fe- I was absorbed in it.
0: And I knew when I because I just ca- I think I came over. I don't remember how exactly. We were yeah, we were just hanging out. He he gave me a rundown of what he was going through educationally and i knew he was looking at like criminal investigations and law enforcement and i knew the kind of th- thought processes that go behind that about evidentiary and fact basis and things like that and uh, you
2: have a degree that correlates in that a uh, little bit yeah right? sure.
0: i have a bachelor's in industrial organizational psychology which gotcha. is just fancy way of saying workplace psych gotcha but i was always fascinated in psychology and and i knew from Because because I did, I grew up with an interest in, I was thinking about becoming a uh, CSI, crime gotcha. scene investigator, like blood splatter and following the trail of evidence and things like that. So I knew the concepts and I remember him telling me about it and I was just like, you got to be careful with that stuff, man, because it changes how you see things. And if you start applying those concepts to your life you're going to start to see that maybe the way things isn't necessarily right. If you start following the evidence where it leads instead of starting with the conclusion and working backwards. And yeah. I and it just kind of, I kind of gave him a warning, but I was kind of just it looks it's, like a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, okay, I've very, spoken
1: about that before in some of our previous podcasts and, and like in the writing that I'm talking about is that one of the first stepping stones for me was I have this huge interest in criminology. I still do, even though I don't practice it. But uh, that was a commonality between us because we were excited. We were talking about that stuff. I was showing you my textbooks and what I was going through at the time. And we were having all these conversations. And I really do point that out. That was like one of the first stepping stones because it's like if it's good enough to think in this process with something that is important as a crime scene investigation where people's lives hang in the balance – Justice, to a certain extent, hangs in the balance of it being done properly. If we value these reasoning faculties that are used in a situation like that, why don't we use them everywhere else? Mm -hmm. It's one of the first ticks on that course that put me down that road of deconversion.
2: One of the things we talk about is having critical thought. Yeah, And you guys started becoming friends during a time which critical thought was in Your frontal cortex. It was right.
1: It may have been for him. It certainly wasn't quite there for me.
2: But it was at that time during criminology while you were studying. Oh, absolutely. It was starting
1: starting. because I was learning these principles like Pascal's wager. I was learning about Ackman's Ackman's razor. Mm -hmm. These things that they teach you in criminology.
2: Was this a commonality? Was this... Shared like interest. Shared know, interest, yeah. Shared interest, kind of
0: yeah. Up. I remember him opening a textbook, and like, here's this victim with a shotgun wound, and this, did he do it to himself, or? Yeah, like, how you, this is how awesome. do we like, figure this out? Yeah. They
1: were, I was in the middle of, like, work studies, where they would be like that. They would give you, like, a, they'd give you a case study, and it would break down all the stuff in this house, what evidence had been thing, and they would ask you to create propositions as to what happened yeah. at the crime scene and i love that stuff it's awesome it's like puzzle solving yeah. it's
0: why everyone's so fascinated with the true
1: crime right now yeah it's exactly yeah. the same this is thing
2: before then, well. so. so i find something very interesting is you guys worked together you had your exodus from office max and then you guys became friends and and started this found this commonality you mm-hmm. know found this rapport do you think that if y'all reconnected and started communicating with each other when you were not In the beginning of that critical thought process, when you were pretty deep into your religious beliefs, do you think you guys would be friends?
1: Speaking from my perspective, probably not. There... There are some limitations that were present. I don't like to think of the fact that when I was younger, that I would x people out of my life because they didn't believe exactly the same way that I did. But you can't say that you didn't do that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I, Ryan's over here nodding at me. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Yeah." Was that yeah. an
2: experience for you, or at least people in your circle?
3: Yeah, I didn't really. If it was to make friends with them, it was to convert them pretty much for the most part. But that always felt weird to me a little bit.
2: A girl Kinda, dated me to convert me. Th- that's interesting oh. that he says that, though. I'm sorry about
1: that, too. That you, that you felt like everybody you were friends with, you were trying to convert. Because I felt that pressure maybe when I was around 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And while it was complete, it wasn't completely rooted out of me at the time I met mm-hmm. you, Anthony. But when I was 16 or 17 years old... On the coast, I quit doing that. I was like, I wanted to run with the crowds and the people that I liked. I didn't give a shit if they like believed exactly the same thing that I did. I just wanted to have fun. In fact, I, I remind me, when I think back about how I was when mm-hmm. I was younger, it reminds me of your younger brother.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and that's more of how I was. I know we talked about him we have a good time yeah. and chuckle, but I was very much like that. I didn't give a shit. I just wanted to have fun. Yeah. But I still would have that tick in me where I'd walk into the room and be like the world, 6,000 years old. Right?
0: I, I think I really do. Now that you're talking about it more, I really think that's how you came into that conversation. <laughs> if it like, if helps at all,
2: when you guys told me a story, that's what you told me. Yeah. 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 At, at least I didn't any, lead Do you with think that. you guys would have been friends, became friends?
0: When you brought it up, it made me think of an interesting uh, thing. And, it, and this is when you were still at the tail end of yeah. your uh, working with the apartments uh, oh, as yeah. a manager. Uh-huh. And I remember coming in one day and you were just having a tough time in your relationship and you were stressed out about yeah that and with work and just everything and I, I hadn't seen you for a while and I just stopped by chance mm-hmm. and I remember you saying something to the effect if I was still religious <laughs> I, I would be convinced that this was like divine yeah. mm-hmm. like purpose like it
1: wasn't just coincidence it, it had purpose and meaning that you happened by yeah that's I refer to that and I hesitate to steal it because it's real I heard it from Seth Andrews first is that it's called wearing God goggles. And it's if you, you just look at your life and everything that's good is God doing something positive for you mm-hmm. and everything that's negative is the devil and it's bad for you or something like that. <laughs> and I, But I'm going to – I'll talk about Seth all the time. Uh, I, I just saw he put out his new book that's called Christianity Made Me Talk Like an Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I really – I feel something in my heart about that one.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy to think that you guys – have a really strong friendship now. Mm -hmm. You've been friends for years, but that was, I feel like it was very vulnerable based on timeline. Yeah. and and
0: (laughs) No, for sure it was. When I left office, Max, I, I did not think he would be a friend. Sure. I left, I don't want to go too deep into that story, but I left with I was like, with passion.
2: fuck you. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Fuck this place. I'm just like middle fingers. I'm like, yeah. fuck all y'all <laughs> have a good life. I'm out. Sure. <laughs> and I made, and apparently I found out later, I made him really jealous of that. Cause I just was like, I was fucking done. I would like
1: it noted and, and added to the record <laughs> that I, in fact, left in the same manner and fashion just a few months later. Trendsetter. <laughs> Trendsetter yeah. right here next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's awesome
2: so so one of the things I do want to keep a, a running timeline, so mm-hmm. you guys start talking again. Tim is in this critical thought process via mm-hmm. his degree, which mm-hmm. was actually from a Christian Christian university Cambridge university, so university, which is interesting. I now, did not know that, yeah, yeah,
0: that's even more fascinating Wow.
2: So how old was Ryan during this time?
1: Just a young boy. Just a baby. You, know, I, you were just a kid, man. Like, I was still, maybe thirteen. Yeah, I baby. was coming out to visit you guys on occasion in Roswell, and you were like twelve or thirteen. And I'm pretty sure you and I started dialogue and talking about this even before I came out to my family about a lot. Of yeah. It. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Oh, for sure. And then this when was I, before you dated Leah. Oh yeah. yeah. Way, way before, before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came out and you had the series of repercussions that Everybody's going to deal with something when they choose to do that. But but he was very young. And I remember I've had a really good relationship with his mom. Was a little bumpy there early on. Sure. A lot of – I yeah. Let's get into that. Sure.
2: So following our timeline, mm-hmm. you guys started working together. And then you left office, Max. Tim's getting a degree. Mm-hmm. You guys reconnected. Tim drops a comment, if I were to be religious. And so there's a little bit of momentum going. Mm-hmm. So let's switch over – to you, Tim, mm-hmm. what's going on through that time? What's Tell us your story a little bit, and then tell us where you were at up to that point.
1: At that point, I had gone through a, kind of a family rift situation that had gone on that had landed me in Texas. And I was going through a period of time where I, the way I phrase it is I was having a crisis of faith. But the truth is, just it was a period of time where I was very isolated. I was in a new place. I was learning where I was at, and uh, I had started going to church here in town. And I was trying to reconnect with all of that stuff, and I was tired of seeing people uh, saying that they're Christians and living lifestyles that seemed contradictory to what I was raised and told was what you were supposed to do. Sure. And furthermore, I also had a bit of a conflict from the evangelical side of it that I had been brought up in with a lot of hyper spirituality. And I was like, I don't get what these people are talking about. They're saying that they've heard God or they're speaking in tongues, being touched by the Holy Spirit. And all of these things are confusing to me. And so I initially took a deep dive into church and trying to search some of that out. And when I ran into the same roadblocks I had when I was younger, I was had been 16, 17 years old. I ran into the same roadblocks when I'm 22, 23 And then I had free thinking friends at this point now, which was a big difference. There was Anthony. There had been questions put there. There was Drew at my martial arts course, who was an agnostic atheist, who was talking to me and having good conversations. And then I dug into the material. And I quit trying to go after it from a spiritual perspective. And I went at it from an intellectual perspective, from a criminal investigation perspective.
0: Yeah, which I had warned him about. Uh, which he had <laughs> warned me about.
1: And But there was a portion of my brain, and I throw this out there for anybody listening to this that's going through the process. There's a portion of your brain, you're told to believe this stuff on faith. Mm-hmm. However, as a believer, I felt like somewhere in the back of my head, and I know Ryan probably agrees with me on this. I believe on faith but that faith is based on some facts. There's got there's some history, the Bible, there's stuff to go with the Bible, right? Yeah. There's like archaeological evidence, there's cross-verification But the mo- history. Yeah. The moment you start <clears throat> digging into that to try and find something and you find out that it's there's nothing. I mean, it's a house of cards. It's a house of cards. Yeah. And so I crossed into that realm and then it disintegrated really fast. Mm-hmm. What do you
2: what do you mean by house of cards?
1: You think that there are things like pillars that are propping up your faith, your belief,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is contradictory because faith is believing in something without evidence, yeah. without those pillars being there. But those pillars are like thinking that the Bible is historically accurate or true or that there is some sort of physical evidence mm-hmm. that backs up things in the Bible, say like the Exodus. So you think that there's some more to it. You put a lot of stock into people's personal experiences, people that say that they've talked to God or that they've seen an angel or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the moment you turn around, the way it turns into a house of cards is when you're, when your critical thinking skills come up, like Anthony pointed out and yeah. warned me. Like, you're in here thinking about this stuff from a criminal and forensic (laughs) point of view. When you turn back and point that at your religion, that's when you realize it's a house of cards. You realize that those pillars are an illusion. You realize that those personal experiences that so many people talk about are subjective. And while you can't really deny them to the individual, on a broader scheme... You can't. If somebody walks into a room with a vial full of a clear liquid and says, "I have a cure for cancer," you can't just take his word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, "I God told me that's a cure for cancer." Okay, great. I can't deny that God told you that, but we can't prove whether or not that's a cure for cancer. Sure. And so you end up you go back reaching for what you think is going to be a rock, and it's sand, and it just doesn't fit.
0: And I was on the outside of this always going from what is this and let me look down and I was looking for the foundation. I, I didn't grow up in it. I was going, okay, yeah. this is what you're saying. What is that based on? And I, because everyone around me told me that it's there. So I'm trying to ask these hard questions to
1: get to the foundation And nobody could lead me that way. So I was just like, it's so great that you say it that way. Yeah. Because I'd like to say something on that is that because this is something Anthony and I to this day continue to communicate back and forth on a little bit, which is the difference between having grown up questioning things like this and us, Ryan, growing up Mm -hmm. in it. Your sensation was always of one of, I gotta get to this foundation. I'm so curious. Yeah. I want to yeah, know yeah, what yeah. this is. It's so fascinating. And that's such a pure and good place to come from. For us, mm-hmm. it felt like we already had the foundation. yeah. and this goes to 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 starting from a point of I have the answer versus I'm looking for the answer. yeah. yeah. but if you will, imagine or imagine yourself in this position, imagine you thinking that you had that bedrock. And that's. And how comfortable that would make. And that's you.
0: honestly so hard because I've never like felt I had that, that way. Yeah.
1: And that's where I think it's hard to communicate sometimes. It There's is. a disconnect. Yeah. Because we felt like that we had that foundation. Yeah. And it was so. It made you feel secure, didn't it, Ryan? Like yeah. having the foundation. Yeah, for sure. And then we go looking at that house of cards yeah. and that foundation cracks and disintegrates. Yeah. And then it leaves you standing there going, it makes you feel lost. Yeah. Well, it makes you feel lost.
2: Ryan, did you have a similar experience? Were there pillars uh, of your faith or a foundation of your faith that you felt like was solid rock that turned into sand?
3: Yeah. I I didn't grow up with anyone really questioning my beliefs or ch- I should say challenging my beliefs. I really didn't do that. My own challenging came from my own Mind. I had one of my first jobs was working at a furniture store, and I would vacuum, and I had a lot of time to myself, and I would just get trapped in my own thought, and I would start thinking about things and trying to work out the puzzle of life together. And I was still pretty young. I think I was even younger when you were. Oh, I'm sure you. I was not 13. I'm remembering it because I moved to Roswell in 2007, and I was nine. And if you were questioning things then,
1: then I was only like
0: 10, 11. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed to talk
1: about it with them because they were little. My sister and I were having conversations less productive than today, I would say. But we were working things out and both made mistakes in that respect. But uh, she kind of laid a pretty firm barrier. And I can understand that. She's their parent, you know, and they're little kids. That's her call, and then our stuff didn't come up until way later. And you were an adult. You respected right. that boundary really well. There were only like, no, like one time
3: when we talked about it. Directly. I remember that. Yeah, we're playing Xbox Three Sixty. We're yeah. playing Skyrim at your house. It just awesome. come out. This is maybe a, a little after two thousand eleven, yeah. because that's when Skyrim came you out. You came, at, you came at me hard. I remember. Yeah, I, was, I had a few questions, and at that point. Like, I, I felt firm in my beliefs when I was well, talking to him. When,
2: when did you find out that your uncle did not believe in God anymore?
3: So I was hearing the secondhand conversations from my mom. Sure. I had known that you had deconverted. And at that point, we were getting really involved in church. Mm-hmm. I just knew that Tim had fallen away, and it was due to his karate instructor, and all this stuff yeah. was happening. He definitely
0: had a bigger influence than I ever did. Oh, certainly. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah,
3: he's
1: going to be on the podcast just so everybody knows. I'm going <laughs> to talk to him about yeah, it. I'm the newest. <laughs> <Obi-On. laughs> I'm the newest unbeliever. But
3: yeah, that's where I was in all sure. that. Just hearing the aftermath of the conversations, my mom would have conversations with me and i remember agreeing with her a lot and i'm like i got to
0: yeah. ask i'm curious about this did she seem angry about the fact
3: or a was little it a bit disappointment or a what, little what? bit she was sad for her brother okay the her beliefs at the time yeah. were he's going to go to hell for sure. to my understanding that is not her beliefs anymore but that was her beliefs at the time and i agreed with her yeah. just because I was young. Sure. Was the impressionable. Man, you know? yeah, uh, yeah, you want exactly. to please your
0: mother and you're like, obviously what's up, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get exactly. it. I get it. I get it. I know the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Golly, the conceitedness of that. I, mean, I wouldn't even say that shit now. Yeah. You know? I'm, to imagine I don't know shit now. A 12 year old <laughs> going, I've got it all figured out. <laughs> well, I've,
1: I've made that analogy here in, in several times. It's like uh, living in Kerrville. It's, for people who are listening and going through this process, one of the hard things I spoke a second ago about feeling like your foundation gets cracked yeah, and it goes away and you have to find this new kind of uh, place. That place for me is very much, it's like you, it's constantly searching for a new answer yeah, and trying to find those answers through good decision-making and good analysis. Mm-hmm. And you very rarely hold on to something for very long. You constantly have to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I deconverted, I was in my mid-20s. And I'm in my 30s now, and I often say the only thing I'm certain of is that I don't know anything, <laughs> which is – which is Skeptic's you, mind. Yeah, it's the Socrates thing. It's yeah. like uh, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly trying to learn and absorb information, and that's tough in the world that we live in right now. But if that's where I've landed, the real difficult thing is when you run across the 18-year-old churchgoer here that's into a real hard-wing conservative church that wanders up to you who has got it all figured out. And I'm like, really? Fuck them, dude. Show them,
0: show them that they don't know a goddamn thing because the answers to those things they're certain um, well, of. Well, uh, but that in of itself, that is a gut flinch reaction for you. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: remember, that wasn't your approach with me. No, it wasn't. So that's not my approach with them. Even though I'm like, I think I got what you're struggling with here figured out. <laughs> but And so there is an urge. And I think people who are deconverting that are learning some of these arguments, if you've made a a cursory read through The God Delusion or some of these, or watch Matt Dillahunty, you're going to get armed really fast Mm -hmm. with argument that is really simple and it's very cutting. And you want to be a little bit careful with your application.
0: Sure. I I can give you the easiest argument against anything. And it doesn't matter if it's religion, politics, whatever. Uh Why or how. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Simple questions. That's all you need. Yeah, it, it, and anything built on bullshit will crumble immediately mm. if that's you just true. go deep <laughs> enough with why or how. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: if you're listening to this podcast and or a part of the guide, you, you're going to hear Tim's story in, in great detail. Yeah. So I don't want to get too deep into it, but you have a you have a few people, a few friends. You have some outside perspectives. Mm-hmm. You're starting to have more of a critical thought process. You read the God delusion. The rope snaps. You're done. Yes. And that's roughly around the time that you and I are friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were. Our friendship was well underway by that point. Yeah. You were Because you had
2: given me the God delusion. Yeah. I
1: lent it I to you, didn't it, I? Yeah. 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 yeah power you
0: it. to you for actually getting through it. I read
2: yeah. a page he, and it was like, he can't even read it. <laughs> yeah, It's amazing. Yeah, it's a, and that is a fascinating thing. Why is it that you find that book so difficult to read? It. So
0: part of it is because it's so technical and I would say monotonous. But a lot of it is because I'm just like, yeah, obviously. I read three pages and I'm just like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's not challenging anything I doubt. I'm just like sitting there going,
1: well, yeah, that just makes sense.
0: Right, at this point. Meanwhile. It's very dry. Ryan's over here nodding his head.
1: What was it like for you? Like growing up? No, the God Delusion.
3: Oh, once I finally got to that point, a lot had led up to it. And I really liked the God Delusion at that point. I thought it spoke a little bit more to my intellectual side that I had been dulling for the past year and a half. Yeah. Because I was trying to work my faith muscle. That's what I called it. <laughs> and it was really just me ignoring the problems and holding yeah. my head down. And I'm like, I just have faith. I just have faith. And, and, and I kind of figure that's how how
0: Tim got through it as well. Is yeah. that it's this is challenging everything I believe. But it's so interesting that it's challenging that. I have to read more. Yeah, well, And I'm just reading it like this. Yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> when you guys read... The God Delusion, what was your emotion or intention when you started reading it?
1: I'll speak from my perspective first, Mm -hmm. which is different than Ryan's because Ryan, I think, got to a little later than I did. I, I read the Bible and I have been reading other material that had been making me question things, and I was pretty set that I was like, I have some major problems with this. There is some stuff that is off. This does not make sense. I read two versions. I read the King James and the NIV. And I was like, this does not read like an all-powerful, all-loving mm-hmm. omnipotent being. It, it reads like a bunch of, it reads like legend, a little bit of philosophy, maybe a little yeah. bit of history in the form of legend. I've always compared it to like something like the Epic of Gilgamesh. Because it reads like that. It's like old legend, legendary tales. And I remember the part where I immediately started to deconnect was it was early. It's in Genesis. I'm fairly certain. Please don't quote me on this. It's been a little bit since I've been in there. But I I think they're talking about Methuselah, which is the guy who lived to be like 500 years old Mm -hmm. or something like that. But there's a line in there somewhere and it says, for in this time... The sons of God would go into the land, and the children they they had became the legends of old. And there are some different translations of that. That's also the one where they talk about the Nephilim and stuff. And right. I was like, "Sons of God," I was aware of only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you
2: saw conflict. I saw a,
1: confl- a conflicting thing. Yeah, and I don't it's even know that. So I've gone through the Bible at this point, and I've come across stuff like that times infinitum. Going through the Bible. And I always refused the behest of people who were like, you're reading it out of context. Have you thought about yeah. talking to a Christian counselor? Have you thought about reading it with somebody? Yeah. So, Have
0: you t- I, sorry I had to cut you off. Yeah, sure. Um, that's why they say they want you to follow along with a pastor. Because yeah. they'll just, they'll ignore
1: all that shit and just give you the feel
0: good stuff. Ab- that makes absolutely.
1: You... So when I'm reading the Bible, I'm getting people pressuring me like this. Well, don't just do it. You need to do it. I'm like, listen. <laughs> and even at that point, I had developed my, I was, yeah, they call yeah, it yeah. rebellion. I called it common sense. I was like, listen, you guys are telling me this is the omnipotent, the word of God yeah. spoken to me. I should not have to go through anyone else or anyone else's interpretation to get this. I should be able to sit here and figure it out for myself. And you're already falling. Wrong. Yeah. (laughs) And so I had gone through this frustration. I wrote just the other day when I was working on some material for, for our guide that I was like, I have reached a point where I had already dealt with the fear. Because a lot of people say when they go through the early stages of deconversion, there's a lot of fear. And I recognize that. I dealt with that too. Yeah. But- there was something about, while I was struggling to figure it out, the people that would try and tick you with the, but if you're wrong, yeah, stuff. And I was like, you know what? You stop right there because there's nothing else in my life that I would make a decision on under threat. And that's a threat. Yeah. You're threatening me with hell and torture and all this other stuff. And that pissed me off. It's love. I, I, I didn't. didn't yeah, yeah that old <laughs> adage, there's no love like Christian love. So, <laughs> or no hate like Christian love. <laughs> My church used so, to
3: say the gospel is offensive. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you read the Bible, went through that. Yeah. So when you picked up the God delusion, were you already there?
1: No, I was not. I was saying at that point, I was struggling with the difference between the terms agnostic and atheist. Mm. And I had thrown around the term agnostic. And. I was struggling with all of these arguments. And then I read The God Delusion. I read in three days. And it was all of my arguments brought to a razor's edge. And I was like, oh, shoot, okay, this is my problem. I've got it. I just wanted to throw in, because you were talking about
0: terms, right? Agnostic, atheist, things like that. I I don't like those for a lot of my life. I didn't want to say I'm this for sure Sure. or that for sure because – As soon as you start defining yourself in terms, it comes with baggage. It does. It's much better if you want to understand someone to ask them what they think, why, how. Baggage and
2: absolutes. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. If I'm going off of definitional by the book terms, I would say I'm an agnostic atheist. But I would also say I'm a Satanist. And that's more out of utility than anything. But it's not because I agree with the terms as they're exactly written, but – you just – you're better off getting to know people and feel them out and understand where they're coming from.
3: Completely agree. And
0: that's what made me such a good friend with Tim is I took the time to understand him and, and connect with him and humanize with him and play fucking rock band. And chill out. <laughs> now, yeah.
1: I've talked about that before as well. And Isaac can I point out is one of the first things mm-hmm. I suggested for you as you started deconversion was I told you make a safe space for yourself. You don't have to go argue this with everybody. You don't have to bring it up at every get-together. You don't have to do anything. You are an individual. And I realize not everyone is in that position. Yeah. yeah. You fortunately were. You're married. You have your own place. Yeah. You you make a safe zone. And you go and you investigate and you take time for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't want to like... Going out seeking conflict is counterproductive. And I wouldn't recommend it for everybody.
2: Yeah. It yeah. can be unsafe when, too. Yeah. yeah. When you read The God Delusion, did you already make up your mind? Like... When you started reading it, was your mind made, or was your mind made by the
1: end of it? When I read The God Delusion, I feel like my decision had been made prior to me reading the book. I just understood why I was making that decision more clearly. That's fascinating to me.
0: I I thought that
1: you were still like, no, this has got to be bullshit. This is wrong. I was trying to understand what my problems precisely were, Mm -hmm. and to hear him articulate those problems clearly. And I've said this before, is like... We talked a minute ago about you and I were constantly searching for the bedrock. We're we're trying to find better answers. And we get some pretty good answers here and there. It's like you also have said, I'm pretty confident with my decision-making process. It could change, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty confident with what I use. And so this was one of those instances where I read that material and then understood my arguments and what my problems are with religion. It became very clear to me. It wasn't like that was a stopping point and it was like, oh, I'll never look at this again. It was just like, I have Mm -hmm. never heard an argument that would counteract what I read in that book that would convince me otherwise. Yeah. So far, I'm always open. I usually get hit with people's personal experiences and I have read Christian apologetic books. I've been given many. I very rarely hand out books about atheism or non-belief. And it's my thing. I don't try and press it on everybody. But those answers that were there and those arguments that were laid out that were boring to you but were riveting to me, they're they're kind of boring to me now because I know what they are. And I have yet to hear anybody give me a good answer beyond that. And that was where a lot of frustration with family and stuff, because I went from that and then I went to family and I started getting aggressive and asking questions and doing this. Yeah. And then I found out my family doesn't know shit about this stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so Ryan, where were you at when you read the God delusion?
3: I was long down the road at that point. I had a lifetime of Christian upbringing and questioning things myself. Like I said, I worked in a furniture store And I, for the most part, worked by myself a lot, just cleaning up and stuff. But I would spend a lot of time just thinking to myself. And I remember the question popping up on my mind as to why God had made us at all in the first place if he knew all this suffering and horribleness was going to happen. Why even bother? It seemed like such a big deal to create us knowing we would do what we would do. And then only to have your one and only son show up years later thousands of years later to save all of us and then he would come back again another day it seems very it seemed very not very productive to me why not maybe just forgive everybody why have all this suffering and how old were you at this time (laughs) that question popped into my mind when i was maybe 13 so Four, like, 14 and so at 13, you're already questioning
2: yeah.
0: how things connect yeah. within the religion. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: And that just didn't make sense to me. And I did not hear satisfactory answers to that. And mm-hmm. that question stayed in my head all up until the point of my deconversion. And that's the straw that kind of broke the camel's back For a little sure. bit. I-,
0: I wanted to ask, do you think, because coming from the outside looking in, right, from my perspective, do you think that – Because you were raised more within it, that the fear was pressed upon you that you were too afraid to ask those because I asked those kind of questions.
3: I I asked those questions from time to time and for like my pastor and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really get a satisfactory answer. And then whenever I would bring it up, it was just weird like, why are you questioning why God made us? Did you feel threatened by the response? I didn't feel threatened, it just felt in not satisfactory. okay. And so I just kind of kept a lot of questions to myself from right. there on out. I did Christian apologetics through high school, my junior and sophomore year. And I felt like that gave me answers and it helped a little bit, but I had felt struggle with faith all my life. It was so yeah. hard. I had these two conflicting personalities of sure. like, I want to be really intellectual. I want to think this through, but there was also that Questioning, and I was afraid of my own questioning. Mm-hmm. And I—it's not that I didn't feel welcome to go ask questions. It's just I felt like they would be unsatisfactory answers. So you had the idea that you already knew that
0: that I was having
1: problems. Yeah,
0: that you weren't going to get the the answer that actually resolved yeah. the conflict. There was
1: something wrong with
2: you. Yeah, I our way around. You
0: exactly.
3: That was it.
2: Did you believe in God when you read the God delusion?
3: No, at that point I did not. No. Gotcha. And I, I thought it was a good book and I don't think it's the end all to end all. I think there's a lot of other stuff out there and I think there's a lot I've been through in my own process and me deconverting. It was very painful process. I, it was probably, it was way more painful than any of you guys because I really wanted it to be true. I really wanted to believe it. And it, the, it was early 2020 and I was transitioning jobs and, and this there was, was recent i didn't realize how recent yeah. this was yeah. and i was done talking to people at yeah. that point i was yeah. pretty much done i'm like i need to speak well, to for, the big man for our listeners
2: <laughs> yeah let's bridge the timeline Sure. Okay. Okay? and then we're going to dig deep into okay. your story because it's good. the most relevant so at this point to to run the the viewers back through the timeline anthony talked about his childhood yeah his challenging beliefs his friendship that sparked with Tim mm-hmm. at what sounds like a, the perfect timing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tim's going to karate. He's questioning things. He's creating a critical thought process. Tim and I become friends during that time. I I did not grow up in church. In fact, I had a very abusive dad who justified uh, a lot of his abusive behavior via the Bible. Uh, so there was already an element of disdain there for me. Mm. But we left, and we left my dad and snuck away or ran away to Colorado. And
0: I'd like to dig into that at some point because I think you and me can relate in sure. a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, that sounds oh, perfect. That sounds good. So, so we left, just a split thing. And then I got involved with the church, but I was craving love. I was craving, yeah, uh, a father figure. Mm. The youth pastor's like husband was there for me, and and then it became an outlet to help people which right now in my career, in my life, it's about helping people, it's developing people. I work with foster care kids and all this stuff. So it appealed to me, and I wanted to be a youth pastor. I quickly got kicked out of church because I, I... Challenged it. Yeah, I had a lot of authority issues to begin with. Sprinkled that in with I was a pretty intelligent kid. I didn't last long. So when Tim and I spoke, and Tim's going through this, and he's giving me the God delusion, I know I was very much devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Not so much because I was a hardcore Christian or, or I really was just because I like to push Tim a little bit.
1: You were great for me to cut my teeth on because yeah. you would question all the right ways where I'd just be like, I had those arguments so ready and razor sharp because I've been reading and <laughs> listening militant, and talking with you. militant, you, and I was like, angry I was, atheist. Yeah, I was the evangelical atheist at the time and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> cut, yeah. down, cut this guy down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> at that time, when you were going through that, yeah, I just wanted to be a good friend. Yeah, you I know, appreciate I, it. I just wanted to be a good friend. I just wanted to be there for you. And I was just trying to survive. I was you know. running a restaurant. I was trying to help my family financially. I was trying to keep myself alive. Mm. I had my own demons that I was facing and struggling. So I was very much in a, let's just get to tomorrow yeah. type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I found Pleasure and comfort in our friendship. Yep. You were going through it. And if I had an opportunity to help somebody, great. And I've always been the type of person where, you know, I think my closest friends are like, don't ask Isaac his opinion unless you're ready.
0: (laughs) And just to throw it out, survival mode really impacts the way you think about things on day to day. It does. A lot of that more. Philosophical, esoteric—how I question things just gets to the wayside, and you're just like
1: survival mindset. I gotta, I gotta pay the bills. What is this? What does any of this matter about getting a paycheck and getting and getting food on the table?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's very true.
0: And I'll throw it out there when someone like me, who is like, how the fuck can someone get to 90 years old and never once have these kind of thoughts I had when I was 15? How do they get there? I really think that's the kind of well, especially
2: a life, a life didn't allot it to them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've realized that I've gotten to a place financially and timelines where I have more time and they, things that are important in my life were never important before. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you have to hit your basic human needs before any of the shit matters. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was. Mm-hmm. So you're exactly right. Who who has time to think about it?
0: It, It's a Maslow's pyramid
2: of of needs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we, so you and I had a lot of conversations. We went back and forth, and I'm I'm a little bit of a hippie still. Like (laughs) I'm like like I am. Here's my beliefs. We're gonna start all eating mushrooms. (laughs) We're gonna start doing DMT. (laughs) We're all gonna get high on psilocybin. We are going to see and understand what love is in different colors and sounds. Like, we're going to taste the colors, people. That's, <laughs> what, that's what's going to happen. And, and we're Isaac. all going to fall in love. We're going to love our planet. We're going to stop eating animals. And we are just going to get our shit together. And then I'm going to die. And then I'm going to secrete a huge amount of DMT. And then my energy is going to go into the plants. And then I'm going to come back and live this life over again. That's where I'm at. And, uh, for Reincarnation. It, Reincarnation Maybe, I, I don't know, I like some of the stuff around it <laughs> but, <laughs> Hey, it's more and entertaining listen, than some of the other stuff And I will be starting my own cult shortly But but no, But uh, on a more serious note It's definitely just something where I'm like, let's have fun with it and, mm. and it's very much of, why are we here, what's going on I've definitely jumped onto the fascination of hallucinogenics and, and mm. mushrooms it, It's like you guys, like, what's the truth? Yeah. yeah. You know, what's
1: fun is that in a way, you're rebelling against the system just by having indip- it's called independent thought. Right. A, so some of that can be true, some of it's not true, whatever. But having independent thought and being free thinkers, yeah. which it, I really love, still love the term free thinker as opposed to just running around being, I'm an atheist or an agnostic or right. an anti yeah whatever, the label thing. Mm-hmm. Free thinker is really laid back. It's still a label, but. It's more of what I feel like I've landed at, which is I told
0: you, you should be able to entertain any idea at any time. Yeah, and I should be, be able to imagine, G. Willikers, what is it like to imagine if I was a Nazi? As yeah, horrible something. as that, throwing yeah, labels at out. least you have the freedom yeah. to and, and, free thought. And it's one of those how and why, and it very quickly disintegrates into why that's wrong, why that's immoral, yeah, yeah or we're we're the problems. We'll leave it. We'll why leave that. that's not a right <laughs> way to.
2: To do that. And so Tim and I were friends. Yeah. yeah. And so I was very much devil's advocate, pushing back, enjoyed getting on rough. I,
0: I think you and me that. are going to get along great. Yeah. I <laughs> love being devil's <laughs> advocate. That's my favorite thing to um, do in the world.
2: I mostly had a drink in my hand. Uh, <laughs> oh, you always had a drink in your hand. So to be fair here. During oh, that my time God. My life, yes. I, I've changed since then. But uh, one of the things that stuck out the absolute most to me was that I was Tim's friend before and after he told his family Mm -hmm. that he Mm -hmm. didn't believe in God anymore. And I was also Tim's friend before, during, and after his evangelical, like, atheism of really going out. And we're definitely going to hit into that here in in a second. That was a fun period. Yeah. (laughs) But how we didn't cross each other. Did we ever hang out? Not really. I don't think so. I worked a lot, though. Yeah. 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 We (laughs)
1: crisscrossed.
2: what i had what i struggled with mm-hmm. was people's opinions of tim behaviors towards Tim, affection towards Tim, change radically yeah but i did not see my friend change radically oh yeah yeah you know what i mean if right. the response was not equal to who tim was yeah and that bothered me and so i kind of doubled down on being like look dude you're a good guy still love you don't worry about it and just being there, and being focused, mm-hmm. because Tim didn't really change as no. a, a person, as an individual. He was still a nerdy guy that was like Isaac. We've had one point three ounces of booze. We should not be driving. <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> we're, we're, so it, it is hard to go through that experience. And again, because we're so we're going to direct this so much at people that are going through this, is to feel like there are some internal changes that are, that are happening. You do go through rethinking your worldview and doing things like this. But like the core of who you are and how you treat people usually doesn't stray very much. But yeah. to have everybody treating you yeah. like something just fucking huge has changed. And you're like, I don't feel very different aside from I just, I, I'm i more open about the fact that I don't go to church on Sunday. Yeah. you right. know. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I still like playing my video games and I enjoy the books I read and my music. And So uh, it makes me have a question for you. Do you think
0: the people that were religious in your life, do you think they started treating you differently when your behaviors changed or when your thoughts and ideas behind the beliefs changed?
2: No, I'm sorry for interrupting because you yeah. asked him the question, uh-huh. but uh-huh. just piggybacking on what I said, yeah. people's behaviors towards Tim changed not because of his thoughts, uh-huh. or not because of his reasoning, it, it just from his declaration.
0: Yeah. Oh, from yeah. the point that he was like, I don't know if just, I believe this anymore. Just the label. That's
2: yeah, you've it. you've got to understand. Like, like that's all it was. There, I don't believe in God. There, there are
1: there are people in my family to this day that cannot tell you what I think. They don't know my opinion on the specifics around like the Bible, God, politics, mm-hmm. my personal beliefs. Close family members that I would consider that I was close with, particularly like my mom or my father, is a whole different animal to address, mm-hmm. but. I can guarantee, and then you go out into distant family, like my brother, my sister-in-law, and they don't know me well enough. And they, if like, there's a great thing I like to do with this, and this is why your mom's going to be on this podcast, is that Melissa, his Ryan's mom, is the person I've remained the closest with. Uh And I tell her to this day that one of the reasons I really value our relationship is that she is one of the few family members that's doing what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. She's talked to me enough and had enough dialogue with me that she understands the thought processes that are behind the reason it I left changes. some of these beliefs. Yeah. For other people, it's just Tim's not a Christian anymore. Why? Oh, because he's angry at God and he wants to be an independent person and he, he wants to be his own God. There's yeah. the, all this rhetoric. I pride myself on my relationship with her because a lot of people say, Oh, I believe in God because I had a personal encounter with Jesus. Yeah. I could point to my sister right now and be like, could you tell this person why that doesn't work for me? What's the reasoning behind why this person who is with all sincerity and all joking aside has come up to me and said, I have had a personal encounter with Jesus and that is why I believe in him. Can you tell this person with a straight face and honestly what my exact thought process is to make me not, that's not enough for me. Sure. My mom couldn't do that. I can guarantee you that. Distant relatives and people who know about this. My brother probably couldn't tell you specifically why that is. Yeah. Your but dad would well, be disgusted
2: by the idea. Yeah, the disgusted
1: idea. by the idea. His mom's worked hard enough that she can tell you the answer to that question. And that's the difference between having close relationships, even though you may disagree, but understanding the thought process behind where somebody's at. But to the point of your question. Mm-hmm. Most of my family don't know my thoughts well enough to be able to have that be the problem. That, the problem's just that I don't agree with them anymore. So that's the issue
0: then is that they what you're saying about it being such a sudden switch, they weren't close enough to see the changes over time like you and I were where we could see him starting to grapple with these concepts and his personality starting to change as far as the ideas and things like that. So it so to us it, it's like weight loss, right? If you see someone every day and they lose 40 pounds in a year, they don't seem drastically different. But if you haven't seen them in a year and they're just 40 pounds lighter, you're like,
2: whoa, who are you? And I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And the thing that I agree in addition to that Mm -hmm. is that as Tim's friends during that time, Mm -hmm. we saw a part of Tim change. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A part of who he was. A
2: part of his life. He Mm -hmm. still went to karate. He still loved the sword that he had. Yeah. He's still, still, still a high strung games.
0: asshole. Yeah. 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 He's <laughs>
2: Thank still, you so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like he, we, we, a part of Tim changed. Yeah. Right. And That was the hardest thing, at least for me, as his friend, was seeing that Tim saying, "I don't believe in God." For a lot of people, they just disregarded Tim as an entire yeah person. Human and, being. And,
0: and and I can say from my own life. What a, a lot of what he went through is what I felt when I was a kid. Sure. And I, I still remember being 12 and being told by a kid who's two years younger than me being like, you're going to go to hell because you believe in
1: Satan. And I'm like, no, he's bullshit, too. You're welcome to think that <laughs> Yeah, 12 years old. So to, <laughs> yeah. to loop us around. So you and I start having dialogue. Sure. And, and yeah. you play devil's advocate, which was a great place for me to cut teeth on. Sitting there and having to like work through articulating it back to a person about why I disagreed with something or how I felt about an issue. Mm -hmm. And that was really a great training ground for some of that kind of stuff. And then life goes on and my relationship, I worked very hard at out of everybody in my family and all the stuff that went on. And I'd like to say, I've got reasonable relationships with everybody. We just had family dinner last mm-hmm. night. It was fine. Mm-hmm. It was fine. We mainly didn't discuss any of this stuff. And I call it a win if we can all get together and have a good time and you know, cruise through with political differences, with religious differences. It's all great. In the background, it can be difficult some of the time. But uh, I say all that to loop around to I'm going through this process and I was still working very hard to have a good relationship with both of my nephews and my sister and my brother-in-law, because that was the side of the family I was closest with, even though my brother lives here and I, I love his company and this kind of stuff. He's always been in kind of his own little world. Your mom and your dad and you guys were my, I go visit you guys for on holidays. I wanted to go have fun with you and I was scared I was going to lose some of that.
2: You adored your nephews. Yeah. All right. So Tim, We're going to get into the family dynamic. Sure. Because it's very powerful that Ryan is here.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Probably one of the key motivating ideas behind the podcast and doing the guide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because I try to talk you into it and we we had a hard time getting traction, but, but Ryan talking to you. Yeah. But, okay, so we're, for the listeners, we've gone through Anthony's story a little bit. He's friends with Tim. Tim's in the process of... Telling people I don't believe in God anymore. I'm just looking for a good time in the back burner, (laughs) but asking very intellectual questions and playing very much heartfelt and genuine devil's advocate. And then during this time period, one of the most, I just remember one of the most difficult things that you dealt with was the fear and anxiety about your relationship with your sister and your nephews, and mm-hmm. if that would be taken away, because you genuinely loved and cared for your nephews, and that was not a relationship you wanted to see get strained. So, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about what happened when you told people you didn't believe in God anymore, mm-hmm. and then let's talk about you and Melissa, and then translates into, sure. to Ryan.
1: Sure, Tim's <laughs> conversion was went through the questioning process read books, a lot of introspection and going over stuff. And then you get, I got to the point where it was like, and you either tell people this or you don't. And then, and I was concerned. I did not, I didn't know what would happen. I was leaning on the side of, I thought my family would look a little bit closer at what I was talking about. Naive as that may be. Yeah. I see you shaking your head. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it, As naive as it was. So I was like, I'm a member of the family. Maybe they're going to listen or look at some of this stuff. But as I slow rolled it out, I didn't just drop a Facebook post. I talked to people about stuff. I said agnostic a lot before I said atheist. I had ideal things in my head like, oh, hey, I hope this will work out. But I was optimistic. And then as I slow rolled that out, I realized how little they actually knew about any of the stuff I was talking about. They didn't know any of these arguments. Yeah. They did not have a robust knowledge of their own book, if you will. They had limited knowledge. They had talking points, but talking points that were like presented very robotically and not as if they had been well thought out. And then an enormous leaning on intuition and personal experience. Okay. That's what they fall back on. And so, That's not, that's like oil and water for my, for what my approach was on this kind of stuff. Was your family angry? Oh, yeah. Initially, the anger was probably more subdued. It was an anger born out of frustration and sadness. Yeah. I was was curious if it was more disappointment. It was disappointment. Um, I remember going over and talking to my folks about it and just laying it out. To me, they're, the targeting. Because the target in that first conversation with my parents, the crosshair went on Drew's back. Because I was talking to Drew. It had
2: to be somebody else's fault.
1: Who to blame? It had to be somebody else's fault. It couldn't have been my own thought process. Uh, Something must have gotten to me. And... So yeah, Satan. Satan, yeah. Satan got to you. But I thought that was interesting. I've told people I was like a lot of the religious people in my family and in my close friend circle were the people who put the final nails in the coffin for me because their reaction and their treatment and the way things changed after I had said this stuff was very telling to me that I was on the right track. Right. Something was wrong about the thought process. So anger, frustration. And then I certainly was a pretty visceral in my response because I was angry right back at them. Because I was yeah. like, You're passionate. How, how could you guys not have looked at this closer? Or how yeah. do you guys just believe it on this? So you go back hard and fast and that hurts feelings and it yeah. whirlwinds on you. And yeah, there was a period of time in there where I was really concerned that it was going to have, it, it has had detrimental effects on relationships in my family, but not on all of them. Not One, on the ones you chose to work on.
2: One of the, and I just, I even remember this, Ryan, something I find very interesting when we share these stories, Drew and I had a very kind of aha moment Mm -hmm. where Drew had no idea that I knew about all of this. And I was like, Drew. I was there the whole time, man. I, yeah. I read the same yeah. book you gave the Tim and then you were there the whole time. Because we were
0: like all in his sphere but right. not interacting with one another. Yeah. Yet. And mm-hmm.
2: I, I we, we might have to psychologically
1: evaluate that later. We but, might have <laughs> to have a full podcast <laughs> yeah. that's you, me, and Anthony yeah. and Drew. Yeah. 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 But
2: Ryan, in his own respect, was yes. a part of that too. So it's it I find it very fascinating. These yes. where mm-hmm. our paths are crossing. Mm-hmm. But during that time, Like I said, I know your relationship with your nephews was very important. Yeah. And your relationship with your sister was very unique, maybe even special. There was, like, in your deepest moments of despair, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Melissa was was a little bit of a bright spot.
1: Absolutely. And
2: so let's talk about what was your relationship. Give us the life, the... Timeline of your relationship with Melissa during that time. And then let's get up sure. to Ryan. Well, for.
1: I've always been close, closest with my older sister. And uh, that's from probably from personality type and also from common interest. Does that make sense? Sure. So when you got those two things going for you, there's a, it's hard for other stuff to get in the way. <laughs> if you've got common interest and similar personality types, you're going to and initially, I remember like shortly after I deconverted, I came up to visit you guys. I was like up there for like Christmas or something <laughs> like that. And I remember her and Todd making me watch the Case for Christ I on D V D. Yeah, but... you were in the room. <laughs> they made me watch the Case for Christ and I was like
3: oh, As if that's oh, gonna that's gonna convince yeah, you.
1: At least Robles a hard one for me. I can out chat that guy in my sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. It's one of the go-tos, and I marked it as something I'm going to talk about in the guide, too. Is that's a book that comes up often. and uh, I, I can't even – that stuff is horrible. I can't even get through it.
0: That and – That
1: one's tough, and I've mentioned it to people before because he says he was an atheist who got <laughs> saved. And yeah. when I read him – it, it, it it's. I don't want to be that person because there's there are people that are like, you were never a Christian to begin with. And yeah. that's one of those guys I look like. And I'm like, judging by what you're writing and what you're saying, I don't think you have ever understood what a non-believer's yeah. position uh, hi, is. Hi, I'm a con
0: man, and I'd like to sell some books and movies. Literally, it has that vibe to it.
1: Yeah. But I remember watching that with them and having conversations, agreeing to disagree. And I remember ha- having boundaries set about the boys, and I told her that I was going to respect that. And and she dealt with me while I was intolerable too, because I, yeah. I was I was like um. Yeah, you were pretty miserable stuff. for a second. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I remember his militant phase, and I was like, dude, just chill out. Like, yeah, there like, was some Facebook changed. posts where Smoke I'm like... Smoke some weed, for God's sake, yeah. <laughs> Well,
0: I wasn't advocating for that, but I was just like... <laughs> I, I was like,
1: dude, you were
2: to your t- whole life. <laughs> it's
0: no big deal. Like, shit happens, man. I'm like, Tim, stop so, posting so, so, so much atheism.
2: It's bad so for my in, business. In all honesty, my relationship... We're friends. <laughs> It's going to hurt Culver's, goddammit. I know. You you were
1: your Christian music at Culver's, man. Fox News and Christian music. Oh my god. (laughs) I remember you from Culver's. That's That's where. You worked at Culver's. I was, no. I was running Culver's. He was running (laughs) Culver's. (laughs) No, but to loop around to Melissa, she and I. Did I just dawn on you? Yeah. My (laughs) boy. This is coming
3: full circle now. Yeah.
1: So (laughs) Melissa and I both worked at it. And it wasn't comfortable. And we got pissed at each other in the process, too. And she'll tell you that when she's here. We definitely had we had little breaks of time where we maybe like had a month or so go where we didn't talk for a while. And then it would loop around. We'd be like, this sucks. I want to talk about the book we're reading. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. But uh, she and I worked through a bunch of that stuff. And then she and I really, I think our whole dynamic, we've always been close. But when we went through my parents both having medical issues and having to troubleshoot that. And then also through all the tumultuous stuff we've been through in the last two or three years with COVID and we've got political discourse and all kinds of other stuff that's just shaking up the mold. And then there's also been Ryan going through his deconversion and I, again, it's I've been down the road and I didn't just want to help him because he was struggling through that process. I also wanted to help her. Because I had two things going through my head. One.
2: For, oh. for the listeners. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're, we're clarified. You and your sister, you guys had uh, a strain on your relationship. She put in the most effort out of everybody in your family. Absolutely. You guys found a way to still have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And you respected and set boundaries with Ryan. So much to the point where Ryan didn't really talk to you about it. Exactly. So before we get into to the dynamic with with Ryan and sure. having that mentorship or guidance or love or affection, okay. let's talk about what happened, okay, when you found out that Ryan was deconverting.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Deconversion Podcast. We're so happy you joined us. Please like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode.